Hello and welcome to another edition of Communication Mixdown. I'm John Langer. It's a popular refrain heard over and over. Journalism, especially quality journalism, is in steep decline. News outlets are shutting up shop around the country, advertising revenues are shrinking dramatically, and staff are being retrenched in the thousands. The tidal wave that social media is swamping everything in its path. Some recent research may be proving that this media swan song could be somewhat premature. Andrea Carson from the Department of Politics, Media and Philosophy at La Trobe University and her colleagues have conducted a study on news as a source of health information during the COVID crisis with some interesting results. I spoke with her last week. You published some research back in May on the issue of people's trust in news media reporting about the coronavirus pandemic. And I was wondering what the rationale behind this research was. Yeah, sure, John. Um, When the coronavirus hit and we went into lockdown, a group of scholars, myself included, and my colleagues from the University of Sydney and University of Melbourne, thought this is a real moment in time and we want to be able to capture what people's impressions are. We know in Australia and also in the US that trust in media is usually pretty low and so is trust in politicians. And when there was such an importance to get these communications out about COVID and how to deal with it, plus government measures around lockdowns to try and limit the spread of the disease, we thought it would be a really important time to understand whether people were heeding the messages and whether they had trust in the, those that were expressing the messages, whether it be political uh, politicians or medical experts or journalists. So that was the motivation. Um, so we ran a survey and then we just repeated it again in September to see whether the findings that we got in May still hold in September. How did you go about doing the research? How did you actually... Uh conduct what sort of methodology did you use so we fielded two surveys one in australia and one in the u.s at the same time through ugov and it was a representative survey of a thousand people in each country and we asked um, questions in two broad areas one around their um, consumption of media what media they use and their trust in that media and also in their um, regard for some of the government measures that have been put in place such as lockdown measures and in the second wave in September, we asked about mask wearing and also the issuing of fines. It was a fairly lengthy survey that um, went through the different facets of trust and also people's attitudes towards the government measures. Now, when you do research of this kind and probably any kind of social research, there's always certain things that you ultimately expect to find and other things that are completely surprising. Let's start with the first What were some of the things that you expected to find that you actually ended up finding? We expected that America would be a lot more polarised than Australia and that there'd be very sharp divides between the types of media that Americans consume compared to what Australians do that was split down political lines. And we very much found that. We found that 
those that consume right-wing media were Republican supporters, those that consume left-wing media media were um, Democrat supporters. In Australia, we don't see that as pronounced. We see that Australians can consume across the ideological divide of the media. Um, they're not just grouped um, explicitly in, in one side or the other. We're not as polarised. There are polarising tendencies, but nowhere to the extent that we saw in the US. Just going on to the second part of my question, what were some of the unexpected things that you found? For example, I, I was very surprised. Well, look, I wasn't surprised, but it was confronting to, to read in your report that only one in five Republican voters trust professional journalists as a source of coronavirus information. What, what were some of the other surprising things that you found? Well, just picking up on that point, that one didn't surprise me so much because if you're a Republican you um, and a supporter of Donald Trump, then you would be very mindful that Donald Trump doesn't like the mainstream media and has spent the last four years weaponising terms like fake news against the mainstream media. And this is a real problem for Trump because he has uh, built a reputation of trying to uh, delegitimise the mainstream media but now when it comes to getting corona messages out, it's very difficult to do that through the mainstream media because his supporters switch off from it. So they're more reliant on social media. Uh, and we found that that um, they were more likely to get their information from friends and family on social media. But herein's the problem, and that is that there's a lot of misinformation on social media and friends and family aren't necessarily the best people to be getting accurate information from. We also found that when it comes to trust in medical experts, in Australia there was basically no divide between those who support the left or the right, but there were massive divides in the US, um, something like 20% um, percentage points difference. And that's a real problem too. And we can see that also in the messaging between Trump and his chief medical officer, Anthony Fauci, where he sometimes devalues the messages that are coming from um, the most senior medical expert in the US. And so the public uh, gets confused about which messages to believe. Do they go with their political leader or do they go with the medical expert? Tell me a bit about, uh, there was something that respondents um, let you know about. They, they talked about lockdowns having gone too far. That was a type of comment. And how did that relate to people's particular media orientation and consumption? Yeah, that's a good question. So we asked people on a five-scale um, scale about whether they thought lockdowns had gone too far, not far enough, were about right, um, should have gone further or should have gone much further. And in the US overall, before we even look at partisanship, we find that most Americans think the lockdowns had gone too far, and this was in May. Only a third supported them and thought it was about right. To compare that to Australia, we had two-thirds of the population that was satisfied that the lockdowns were about right in May. When we've resampled in September, and it's only Victorians that have really experienced that second lockdown... Most Victorians are still supporting the lockdowns, but it's come back a bit. It's now about 56% compared to that two-thirds, around the 67% before. The rest of Australia is very happy with how governments have managed the coronavirus outbreak in their states. And one would expect they probably would be because they've um, become very close to eliminating it. But in the US, there's no satisfaction with the government measures and there's no sign they're going to get the coronavirus under control. Your research suggests that trust in the quality media and the outlets 
have been particularly strong during COVID crisis and re reliable information was really, really mattered to, to certain groups. But at the same time, we're getting a lot of reports, and you've mentioned this already, uh, that say that uh, there's a lot of conspiracies going on at the moment. And, and uh, a lot of this stuff is online and connected to the spread of the virus and the health response. I was wondering how you can sort of interpret those two things going on at the same time. Yeah, it, it's a good question and it's rather nuanced. So on the fringes where you've got um, very strong partisans, um, far left and far right, they're less inclined to trust the mainstream media. Of those that do trust the mainstream media, we see a return to the really established brands in the US, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, um, and, and some of the television stations that have been around for a long time. On one side, that's good news because trust in media usually in the US and also in Australia is below 50%. Here we're seeing that the baseline for trust in media is up in the 60s. Um, so those that do trust are feeling quite um, trusting of their mainstream media, but those that don't really don't. And they're the ones that are getting their information from friends and family on social media um, and and might be moving away from some of the conventional orthodoxy of messaging around coronavirus. There's a lot of discussion lately in Australia about online conspiracies and there's been quite a number of uh, rallies recently, anti-lockdown rallies. People are talking about the influence of QAnon. Do you think this sort of thing is moving people away from uh, the quality media, the quality information that they're getting on on the media? Do you think this is taking root here as well? I think you've identified a trend, but in Australia, I think it's um, a very fringe trend that's occurring. Um, our data shows that when it comes to who people are trusting, there's resounding trust in medical experts over, say, the conspiracy theories that you've just raised. Um, in fact, if Labor supporters in Australia, 90% um, said that they had trust in the chief health officer compared to 89%. So we're only seeing 1% the difference between the left and the right. It's not a pattern that we see in the US. When it comes to those um, fringe groups and conspiracy theories, I think they get more media than they're probably due to get. Mm -hmm. A lot of the rallies that have occurred have um, 100 or 200 people maximum that attend them. In a country with a population of 25 million, that's a drop in the ocean, but it does get more airplay than is representative of the people that are participating in it. So it might give us as a population a sense that this is a bigger phenomenon than what it actually is in this country. You're listening to Andrea Carson from the Department of Politics, Media and Philosophy at La Trobe University, talking about trust and the role of journalism during the COVID crisis. Back with more after this. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. You completed this study uh, in uh, the original study was in May. You looked at the issue of trust what was the focus of the follow-up study? You mentioned it very briefly, but what was the that you f did a follow-up just very recently? What was the focus of that? 
So we still need to process some of the data because it's only just come in for the second study. But it was to see how stable our figures were from May. It was a repeat of the study. We've even gone back to um, most of the same people to see whether as the story of the coronavirus has moved from May to September where people might have been subjected to further lockdowns and restrictions on their movements, have their attitudes also shifted and have their attitudes and their trust in their leaders uh, and the support that they have for lockdown measures or not, has that changed over time? And we've got some of the data back uh, that we've been able to analyse about support for the lockdowns and have found that it's eased off. It's not as strong as it was in May um, in both countries, but there's still majority support in Australia. And as there was not majority support in the US, there still isn't. Um, Mm. In fact, there's even less support for those restrictive measures. Talk a little bit about this massive trust divide in the United States and the absence of that divide in Australia and the implications for managing the virus in both places. So I guess I would just start with comparing a COVID time compared to a non-COVID time. And we're not looking at what goes on outside the extraordinary event of coronavirus. And when we're asking about trust, we're asking purely um, people about how much they trust the media for corona information and their politicians and medical experts in relation to the coronavirus. And there we find that people's trust is quite high. Um, we obviously can't ask them those questions in a non-COVID period because we um, don't have the capacity to do that. But when we look at other surveys around how much Australians, for example, trust media or trust politicians, we know it's pretty low. As I mentioned before, with media, it's usually below 50%. And with politicians, um, it usually hovers, depending who the leader is, around four or five points out of 10. So we're we're not usually all that trusting. But when it comes to Mm. this crisis, this health crisis, we are taking um, direction from our leaders. And at the top of that list, we're most trusting of medical experts, which I think is um, positive news. Then we're more trusting of our premiers. And then it's the Prime Minister. And I think that makes rough sense because we know the medical experts have been have done a lot more training than anyone else and should be able to give us sound advice on the coronavirus. And our premiers are probably closest to us and have the most direct control over the measures that go in place to try and stem that. In the US, we're not seeing those same levels and we're seeing really sharp partisan divides. So when it comes to Republicans in particular, they're not trusting um, of their uh, of Democrat leaders if they have governors in place. They'll be more trusting of a um, Republican leader, but they're not as trusting of medical experts as mm. Democrats. And just to give a figure that illustrates that, we found 98% trust in um, medical experts from Democrat supporters, these are self-identifying Democrat supporters, compared to 80% trust from Republicans. Now, while that trust level is still high across the board, there's a big difference, a big partisan divide between the two. Just to follow on with the second part of your study, the the most recent part, what are, what were some of the other key findings? I'm thinking specifically here about the case of Victoria and the hard lockdown and what impact that has had on issues of trust in politicians. You mentioned the premiers and what in, trust in what they're communicating. What, what, what have you found in relation to Victoria? We found that when we ask people how satisfied they are with the lockdown, 
31% of Victorians think the measures have now gone too far, and that compares to 14% of Australians living in the other states. Um, as someone living in Victoria, I'm not surprised to see that because the lockdowns have been fairly severe and onerous, and I think people are really feeling um, the effects of that as they see their businesses fall over or perhaps their hours cut back or the difficulty of working from home with homeschooling and all those things. So it's unsurprising mm. that Victorians are feeling those effects and are showing that. However, it's a third that have said it's gone too far. We're still finding 56%, which is over half, still think the measures are about right. So overall, there's a confidence that the government is going the right course. The idea of doing the hard work now so that we can um, free ourselves, we hope, of the coronavirus into the future. I guess the contrast with that is what you see in the United States with over 200,000 deaths, and we don't see... Uh, majority support for the lockdown measures over in the US. In Australia, we see um, most uh, the majority of Australians are very supportive of wearing masks and they're very supportive of the idea of issuing fines to enforce people to comply with the social distancing measures. That was quite high and it was high in every state, even states that um, don't have numbers at the moment, caseloads of coronavirus. So it shows a consistency with what the government's doing and support <clears throat> from the people for those measures. What I was going to ask it as a follow-up question, do you think the uh, uh, you being a Victorian and so on, and, and I as well, do you think the inquiry into the ho- hotel quarantine would have changed people's views about trusting politicians? It's the $1 million question, isn't it? And um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> our survey data came in um, in the first week of September before we really got to see the, quarant- the hotel quarantine inquiry in full flight. It was before a minister had resigned her post and before we saw eight of our leaders, um, whether they be in the ministry or senior bureaucrats, saying that they didn't know who was responsible for it. So I'm, um, I would love to run the survey again and see whether that has had an impact. From the findings that we've got, which were the week before this, and people were still cognizant that we'd had this second outbreak and that it was because of the failures with the hotel quarantine system. At that point, we're still seeing that most of Australians, uh, most Victorians are supporting the Premier. In fact, when we asked how much trust they have in Daniel Andrews over his leadership on coronavirus, we um, got a result of 70%, which was quite high. Now, it wasn't as high as it was back in May, where, um, or compared to the other states, I should say, because we didn't specifically ask that question in May. The other states were trusting their Premier up around 81%. So he's lost some political skin, it would appear, but not as much as would be suggested by the news headlines. But again, I add the caveat that this was before we um, saw a minister resign and before we Mm -hmm. saw those repeated denials. So I wonder if it has come off a bit. It is a very dynamic space. If, say, in a month's time, Victoria has got out of lockdown and we don't have caseloads of coronavirus, Victorians might have a really different view of their Premier at that point than what they might have right now while we're still living through it. So we do need to keep um, refreshing this data and going back to the field with surveys to capture moments in time.
I'm, I'm just wondering also in, in relation to this question, just to follow it up in terms of your, our original uh, the discussion that we were having about media and trust. Do you think the media, uh, if, if the opinion is going to swing against uh, the premier, against Daniel Andrews, do you think the media has a place in that, in that sort of dynamic to swing people away? Because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I've coming across at least in the mainstream media has been fairly negative towards the premier and and the way the thing has been running yeah it's a it's a really interesting time we've got a couple of different dynamics going on and that is the public for the first time are being able to see up really close what goes on at press conferences and um, with the daily review that the premier does um, each day of what the figures are and the public have been able to see the way that journalists handle that press conference. And there's been some negativity, which is expressed mainly through Talkback Radio, about the public not liking how aggressive journalists are. Um, as a former journalist myself, there's nothing new in the way that journalists handle um, political leaders or part of their role, as you know, is to hold them to account and to make sure they get the answer that they do. But I think watching how the sausage is made has been quite revealing for much of the public. So on one hand, you've got some people who feel that the media are being unfair, um, but then you also have the influence that the media will have on others with that negative messaging around the Premier. Um, I think at the beginning of the outbreak, we were pretty consistent where there was a real need just to get vital health information out and there was less of the need for the accountability role of the media and the media ha has a number of functions it's not just holding power to account it's also providing a platform for information for informing the public um, and providing a platform for our institutions to be able to demonstrate what their role is and how they're doing it and i think at the beginning of the outbreak that primary role of just getting basic accurate information out had primacy now that we're much more familiar with what we need to do as individuals to deal with the coronavirus the media has really turned um, its focus on that watchdog role and we're seeing that played out quite aggressively. And um, I think that will change some viewpoints. And it, again, it's a very dynamic space. It requires more follow-up survey work just to see how that changes. It might also reduce trust in the media as the media starts to turn on its politicians and we're not getting the singular message coming out from the medical experts, the politicians and the media like we were at the beginning of this crisis. Finally, I just want to ask you, in, in, in terms of your research that you've just done, is it leaving you, and I, this is a pretty general question, but is it leaving you encouraged or discouraged or a bit of both in relation to news media and the issue of trust? Um, a bit of both, actually. In fact, I'm writing um, a book with uh, some academics in Europe on this very question about whether a time of crisis changes people's trust perspectives. So I'll be interested to see what the other countries' authors find. Um, one thing that does concern me is we see that people... Uh, you asked at the beginning whether there were anything that surprised me. What did surprise me is I thought people would be turning the news off not on. And at the beginning of this crisis, we see that people are more engaged with news than they have been in a long time. We are specifically, are you consuming more news or less than what you would be otherwise? And most people are consuming more and many people were getting their information off social media sites, off Facebook. They were 
getting them also from mainstream media and returning to those trusted brands, but also getting them from social media sites. And one of the things that concerns me there is with the threat that Facebook has put up that it's going to take news off its sites if um, the ACCC and the government make good with their bargaining code that they're proposing at the moment, which I know is a whole separate issue, but this is a space to watch where Facebook has said that if this law goes through, they'll take news off their sites. In a time like this, when we've got a health crisis, what's going to be left on those platforms? And if people are going to those platforms to get information and there's news information on those sites and that's no longer there, what are they left with? Um, so that concerns me because I think the answer might be that they're left with opinion and commentary from friends, family and um, and people that they don't know that may or may not be accurate and chances are it's not accurate and certainly not accurate compared to the information they'd be getting from medical experts via the mainstream media through those daily press conferences. That was Associate Professor in the Department of Politics, Media and Philosophy at La Trobe University, Andrea Carson and she was discussing some of the findings from her study aimed at measuring levels of trust in coronavirus information coming from the media and medical and political leaders, both in Australia and in the United States. A link to her more detailed discussion in the conversation will be posted on the Communication Mixdown website, along with a podcast of this show. That's a wrap for this week. Back again next Monday at 6. Get some